Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley. And because yesterday was Case Shiller Day, that is where we are going to start. And the number was a little surprising. It did actually move in the opposite direction, which was a surprise. But to anyone like us that's been paying attention to the housing market, it really wasn't that surprising at all. Like, not even close. (laughs) In fact, I'm actually surprised the number wasn't higher. So, like I said, yesterday we got the all-important Case-Shiller Index, which, of course, is three months behind. So, it is looking at January, the start of 2022. And the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller U.S. National Home Price NSA Index found that home prices year over year were up 19.2%. That is a jump from the end of 2021, where prices were up 18.9%. And the U.S. National Index reported a 1.1% gain just month over month. So just December to January, 1.1%. And as I mentioned, the projection was for a slight decline, I think like 0.2%, somewhere along those lines. So the fact that it jumped 0.3%, was almost a was about half a point in the opposite direction. But we've been watching the market. So to see a jump in January really isn't all that surprising. And speaking of things that are not surprising, Phoenix for the 32nd straight months. I mean, come on. They're almost they're what four months away from being three years at number one. That's impressive. Uh they continue to lead year over year appreciation at 32.6%. I can't imagine. There's got to be somebody who was thinking about buying in Phoenix three years ago and didn't. And home prices are up like 100% since that decision. So that guy's just not, can't be happy. Can't be happy. Uh, Tampa was actually also in the 30% club. They saw 30.8% year-over-year appreciation. And Miami, oh, Miami didn't make the cut, but they were number three at 28.1%. Looking at the big city composite indices, the 20 city composite was up 17.5% year over year, and the 10 city composite was up 19.1%. And then both composites reported monthly gains of 1.4%. That's 1.4% month over month. We know, we knew this was going to happen. We saw what happened in January. We were talking about it. We saw what was happening with inventory levels. And so we knew it was going to be a big number. In fact, when I saw the 19.2, I thought it was a record high, but that was not the case. Uh, Craig Lazara, managing director at S&P DGI, said the slowdown has not yet begun, as everyone thought. Remember at the end of last year, right here on this podcast, we're like, all right, here it comes. The slowdown has begun. And then inventory just vanished And yeah, the slowdown didn't happen. And so this was actually the fourth highest reading on record. Fourth best month on record. Lazarus said, quote, last fall, we observed that home prices, although continuing to rise quite sharply, had begun to decelerate. Even that modest deceleration was on pause in January. The 19.2% year-over-year change for January was the fourth largest reading in 35-year history 
of the Case-Shiller Index. The macroeconomic environment is evolving rapidly. Declining COVID cases and a resumption of general economic activity has stoked inflation, and the Federal Reserve has begun to increase interest rates in response. We may soon begin to see the impact of increasing mortgage rates on home prices. And let's face it, we're kind of hoping that happens, right? We we want to see a slowdown because this continuing heating is not good because then eventually you will get overheating. So like I mentioned, we've all witnessed this, the heating up of the housing market at the start of the year really kind of defied expectations. Everyone thought we were going to see a decline and continue to see a decline. So the market has stayed elevated, but as rates move and remain close to 5%, you know cracks are going to start to form. And these are not the cracks that form before collapse, but instead cracks that are allowing forces to cool things down. That's what we want. We want a cooling down, not a sub-zero immediate cool down, which leads to a collapse. But remember, Case Shuller lags about three months, so arguably we might not see a decline until midsummer from this report. So until then, it's going to be full steam ahead. And looking at the different regions, so the Case Shiller Index does not break down by region, but always the same day the Case Shiller comes out, we get the Federal Housing and Finance Agency House Price Index, which was actually a little lower looking at year-over-year growth. Uh, They were at 18.2% annual growth. Monthly gains, though, were up more, 1.6%, looking at the annual index. But what I really find fascinating about the HPI is it gives you the regional breakdown. And it's not just the four kind of normal geographical regions. I think it's like eight or nine regions that they break down. And in case you're interested, because this is where I broadcast out of, the South Atlantic had the best month-over-month gain 2.2% month over month, followed by the East South Central was up 2% and the Pacific was up 1.7%. That's just 2.2% month over month. That's just, those are crazy numbers. And then looking at the yearly numbers, the mountain region was up 32.1%. Followed by the South Atlantic was up 21.9% and the East South Central was up 20.6%. So even though the numbers may be like a slightly off from what Kay Schiller was reporting, looking at the regions, it seems pretty spot on. We all know what's happening in the South with housing. Every report that comes out, the South is just dominating when it comes to home sales, when it comes to construction, whatever it may be. New home sales, pending, existing, doesn't matter. South is two, three times larger than other regions. So to see the South Atlantic leading monthly and the South Atlantic second yearly, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> it just makes sense. Will Dorner, PhD supervisor economist in the FHFA's Division of Research and Statistics. That's a very long name. That's competing with the uh, S&P Case-Shiller Index for the longest name for something, said that rising rates in January did not seem to have any impact on home demand. And yes, we know that. Saying, quote, rising mortgage rates in January certainly reflect a major change from the past several years, but lending costs remain relatively low, especially from a historical standpoint. The mortgage rate shift has not dampened upward price pressure 
from intense borrower demand and limited supply. So as we know, we've been paying attention. We've been talking about it here on the podcast. Sure. Rates getting into four may have been a shock to some people, but not enough to deter any buying. Now, question is, will 5% do that? And I believe it will. More so than, say, four. Especially with how fast 5% came about. Like I said, there were some people who didn't even know we were in the fours, and now we're going to be in the fives (laughs) pretty soon. But here's the other thing that we need to remember. Because as we know, as home prices soar, and we see this data every month, and that, of course, gets the housing crash bros all excited because they're like, ooh, ooh look at this. The, the housing market's overheating. Finally, my prediction that the housing market's going to crash is finally going to come to fruition. They get all excited, and they start posting about it again, and they change the date on the articles they posted you know, five years ago. Oh, look, 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 look what's going to happen with the housing market. But it's always the comparison to 2008. And, I mean, they've been doing this since the housing market recovered. I mean, you can go back and you can find articles from 14, maybe 15, where people were like, "Uh oh, things have heated up a little too much in housing. There's going to be a crash just around the corner. (laughs) And here we are seven, eight years removed and still no crash. And it's because this is nothing like 2008. Now, home prices, when you look at home prices versus what they are now versus what they were in 2006, seven before eight, sure, you could make that comparison, but that's about it. I mean, when you look at home equity, is it record levels? Not where we were in 2008 when there were no equity, 100% financing, 110%. There's no equity in those homes. Loan requirements, no docs. Now we have stringent requirements that have not gotten any easier. And in fact, in some cases, have gotten harder. And occupancy levels, record highs, meaning there are no vacancies, hence no inventory. So there is nothing similar than what happened in 2008. So we don't really need any evidence to prove this is in 2008, but guess what? We got some more. (laughs) Just throw it on the pile of reasons why this is not 2008. So first, Americans Real House Price Index finds that despite recent price gains nationally, real house buying power adjusted house prices remain 29% below the April 2006 peak. (laughs) I'm not, I am not making this up. You're gonna think I'm making it up. I am not making this up. While consumer house buying power declined in January 2022, it remains near record levels and more than double the level of consumer house buying power in April 2006, thanks to higher household income and significantly lower mortgage rates. Household incomes today are nearly 48% greater than April 2006, and the average mortgage rate is over three percentage points below its April 2006 level. I think a lot of people have forgotten that mortgage rates were on the climb during the housing boom of the mid-2000s. I think they've forgotten that. I think they thought like rates were like 3% and 2%. They weren't. They were climbing up. They were four, five, six. And so the fact that now we're talking about getting into the fives and who knows, maybe the sixes, I don't know what's going to happen going forward. But here's the difference is you're hearing arguments that this could be what is the catalyst for a slowdown. 
versus what happened in 2006 where rates were rising and it didn't do anything. It didn't deter anyone. And that's what you got to be aware of. So if we start seeing rates get into the fives and six and there is no slowdown whatsoever, then I'll say, okay, let's take a second look at this. What is happening here? But right now we're talking about very, very low mortgage rates in comparison to 2006. We're, we're getting closer to it, like I said. But for the majority of this time, rates were dropping and then we reached bottom in January of 21 and they've been rising back up, but still way lower than the mid 2000s. And then, of course, people have more income. Now, it might not feel that way to a lot of people because of inflation is uh, also wreaking havoc. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But it's just more evidence that we are not close to 2008. We are not close. Now, does that mean that we might not, we shouldn't be keeping our eyes open, looking for signs? If you, you start hearing about, like I said, 100% financing, you start hearing um, about you know, lowering borrowing standards, you start hearing about, or maybe even go as far as no doc loans, <laughs> you start hearing, uh, you know, you start seeing activity rise even as rates are rising and home prices are rising. Or if we start seeing inventory levels jump up, occupancy levels drop, all of that. That's what was happening in 2006. Almost none of that is happening now. And we will see if these rising, these recent jump in rates are going to slow things down. We will see. Now, I mentioned inflation. I want to get to this little longer episode here today. It's been happening. A couple of these episodes are a little longer. Maybe I'm getting more comfortable behind the podcast microphone. We will see. Consumer, well, it's also a lot of data. <laughs> Yesterday, there was a ton of data. We didn't even get to everything. This is just what I could fit into the podcast, trying to keep it under 20 minutes. Consumer confidence increased slightly in March. This also beat expectations. There was another expected decline. Every month, we have seen consumer confidence drop in 2022. This is the first month it increased. This is good news, but it comes with a somewhat caveat here. So the consumer confidence index from the conference board rose to 107.8. Two, which was up from a revised 105.7 in February. Economists had projected a two-point decline. It should also be noted that I believe when these numbers first came out, the index for February was 110. So the number was supposed to fall to, I think, 107. So it actually hit the number. But because they revised that down to 105, it was actually an increase. So the number was actually right but it was an increase from the last month. So I guess it was kind of a win. <laughs> That's how you want to look at it. I guess they said 107. This is 107.2. So I'm calling a victory here. I'm calling the W. Now, the index was up thanks to a big jump in current confidence, while the future outlook, not so positive. So the present situation index was up 10 points to 153, which can give you an idea of where the expectations index is in order to get that 107 number it fell four points to 76.6 so people are very wary of what is going to be happening in the future and lynn franco senior director of economic indicators at the conference board said uncertainty about future prices is what is depressing this index 
Expectations, she said, quote, expectations, on the other hand, weakened further with consumers citing rising prices, especially at the gas pump and the war in Ukraine's factors. Meanwhile, purchasing intentions for big ticket items like automobiles have softened somewhat over the past few months as expectations for interest rates have risen. So all of a sudden people are like, maybe I'm not going to buy that car. Maybe I'm not going to borrow this money. And you have to assume that maybe this is, this is happening with housing as well. And interest rates are up. Maybe now's not the time to buy. Now, this concern about increasing prices is not limited to just this report from the conference board. Yesterday morning, Gallup's latest poll came out and found that roughly one in five Americans mention the high cost of living slash inflation. That number was up to 17%. It is now the biggest economic issue, which of course is the biggest issue that voters care about heading into the 2022 midterms and fuel prices was actually at 4%. So you put them both together. That's 21%. (laughs) That's, that's a big number. So if you're a Democrat right now, things aren't so good for you because people are not going to be happening going to the polls. High cost of living concerns have jumped from 8% in January to 17% in March. This is now the highest reading since 1985. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a while since we've had to worry about inflation in this country. We've been through a very low inflationary period these last almost four decades. I think we kind of took it for granted. Just going to throw that out there. And while inflation concerns have skyrocketed, interestingly enough, just a side note, COVID concerns have plummeted. So at the start of the year, one in five voters almost about the same as where we are with inflation now, they were worried about COVID. That number has now fallen to just 3% of voters. So what is that, one in 33? (laughs) That's a pretty big drop. Uh, This issue is now on par with other issues such as homelessness and energy policy. So not really high up there on the list. That's crazy, right? How just COVID disappeared from just this conversation in the public. I'm not saying COVID disappeared itself. I mean, it's obviously still out there and people are, are, are still dying and it's still an issue in some places. Uh, but it's just interesting how it just kind of disappeared. And now the big issue everyone's concerned about, inflation. Inflation is now the big issue. And it's, it's, a bi- it's, it's the biggest issue that people are concerned about. And so that's why people, even though going back to that earlier report from First American that said, People, you know, home prices relative to 2006 are 30% cheaper. People may not feel like that because other prices are increasing. That was not happening in 2006. Inflation was nowhere near where it is now. So that could be one of the other reasons that people don't think that home prices are cheaper than they were in 2006. All right, we got to go. Before we go, of course, as always, a lot going on today with regards to data releases, 7 a.m. mortgage demand and rates. It is jobs week. So at 8.15, the ADP private payrolls will be out. At 8.30, we got GDP Q4 final estimate, which I believe is supposed to be up to 7.2, which is pretty impressive because I think the first estimate was 6.9, then jumped to 7 and now possibly 7.2. 2021 was an impressive year with regards to growth. Uh, And then just to give you a heads up, put in the back burner, on Thursday, we got the PCE data coming out. The gold standard for inflation, at least that's according to the Fed. So 
We'll talk about all of, well, not, well, PCE will wait until Friday's show. But we'll talk about the other issues on tomorrow's edition of Markets and Mortgages. You guys enjoy your Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow morning. And until then, remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. <laughs>